An official tally of votes in Israel's parliamentary elections confirmed on Thursday former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's triumphant return to power at the head of a right-wing nationalist and religious alliance. The current Israeli Prime Minister, Yair Lapid, congratulated Netanyahu. Okay. Hi, everyone. So I wasn't going to put out any episodes right now as I'm in between seasons. Just finished season six on Jewish philosophy, and now I'm working on the upcoming season seven on modern Israeli history, and finishing a teaching credential, and planning a wedding, and on and on and on. But I'm sitting here doing two things. Packing for a trip to Israel tomorrow, and reading the latest post-Israeli election analyses from the vote on November 1st. You know, anything to avoid looking at centerpiece color schemes. Former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has staged a big comeback after a year and a half out of power, and he's doesn't done it with a hard right-wing ticket. Some would say extremist, some would even say racist. It seems like every time Netanyahu wins an election, we say, this is the most right-wing government in Israel's history. And so this time, say it with me now, this is the most right-wing government in Israel's history. But what's different about it is just how right-wing extreme it may end up being. So what happened? And what does this all say about the current state of Israeli society? Word of warning, this is my rough pass, stream of consciousness take, thrown together here, unpolished in a rush as I'm heading out to the airport, so don't hold me to every word. But I'm your host, Jason Harris, and this is Jew I Don't Know. I would say to young people that we can do everyone our share to redeem the world. So on November 1st, Israel held its fifth election in four years. Voter turnout was the highest it's been since 2015, meaning through all these last four elections, which says something. You'd think that voters would by now be exhausted voting for the same cast of characters over and over again and would just stay home. Instead, each side is getting more and more desperate to oust the other guys. These elections aren't turning on substantive issues, but instead on a single question. Should Netanyahu be prime minister or not? But in asking that question over and over again to no firm conclusion, it turns out that that question is actually a deeper one about the direction of Israel's national soul. Is this a Jewish state or a democratic state? Can it possibly be both? Thus, for the partisan sides, the stakes seem huge. If the other guy wins, Israel will be destroyed as we know it. Benjamin Netanyahu is the leader of the right-wing slate that won this election, and we'll come back to him. But the big takeaway from this election that everyone is talking about is the rise of Itamar Ben-Gavir. Itamar Ben-Gavir is the leader of a far-right political party called Otsma Yehudit, in English, Jewish Might. He is an activist, an extremist, an avowed hater of Arabs. A lawyer, he frequently represents Jewish terrorists in court and occasionally finds himself wielding a handgun while screaming epithets at Arabs out in the street. He relishes in provocation and aggression. As a teenager, he was involved with the Kahanist movement, a Jewish terrorist organization that sought the removal of all Arabs from Israel. His views were so extreme that the Israeli army refused to draft him and he's never served in the military. His lifelong hero is Baruch Goldstein, an ultra-Orthodox Israeli-American who, in 1994, murdered 29 Muslims praying at the Tomb of the Patriarchs in Hebron. 
Goldstein's portrait hung in Ben Gavir's living room until a couple years ago when his political career began to take off. Ben Gavir's main platform is to maintain the explicitly Jewish character of the state of Israel by pushing out anyone whom he thinks doesn't belong, which mostly means Arab Israeli citizens. Now, he doesn't advocate doing this violently. He wants instead to create a government department whose mission will be to convince Israel's Arabs to move away and to help them do so. Every mainstream Israeli politician has refused to work with him, except Netanyahu. Now, Jew Ought to Know is aimed at explaining the hows and whys of Israel, not passing judgment or picking partisan sides. But hey, I make exceptions, and Ben Gavir and his kind are about as awful as they come. I mean, really. It was unthinkable until just now that he would ever be included in a governing coalition, ever be put in charge of anything that mattered. And although he pours gasoline on the fire of Israel's critics, he in no way represents what the vast majority of Israelis want, nor especially how the vast majority of Jews around the world think about Israel. His party commanded only a small percentage of the entire vote. And yet, here we are. He went from the far right fringes of Israeli society just a couple years ago to now being one of the top leaders of the third largest party in the Knesset, Israel's parliament. So, okay, what happened? What this election was about was a tug of war between two almost equally weighted Israels, democratic Israel and Jewish Israel. For a long time, decades, these two Israels coexisted fairly well with each other, a great source of pride for Zionism in combining the values and tenets of Judaism with the modern practicalities and governance of a democracy, in which the substantial Jewish majority has plenty of room for minority rights enshrined in law. Regardless of your religion or ethnicity or nationality or any other consideration, all citizens of Israel command equal rights. Of course, like everywhere else in the free world, such lofty ideas do exist in tension and are not always carried out perfectly, but the value system is there. For many reasons, democratic Israel and Jewish Israel have been pulling apart, and this has become the split that defines the political boundaries. It used to be, since 1967, that the boundary was between the left and the right, and this was defined by where you stood on the question of trading land for peace with the Palestinians. The left said yes, the right said no. But the Palestinian conflict is no longer the animating issue in Israel, and in the process, the left almost totally collapsed. What's left is the right and the center, in which the right is aligned with Jewish Israel, and the center is with democratic Israel broadly speaking. And so the question now is not about the Palestinian conflict, but about the very nature of the state. Who is this Jewish state for? Who belongs? How should Jews use their power? Is there a benefit to coexistence? These are the questions that are consuming these elections between the center and the right. And because Benjamin Netanyahu keeps running on ever more right-wing platforms, that's why these elections turn on the question of whether to keep him in power or not. Netanyahu has served as Israel's prime minister for 15 years, the longest in its history. But a year and a half ago, he was turfed out of office by the most diverse coalition of political parties and politicians in Israel's history. It was crafted by Yair Lapid, a centrist, 
led by Naftali Bennett, an ultra-right-wing protege of Netanyahu, and included parties from the left and, for the first time in history, an Islamist party. It was an extraordinary moment, proof that such a coalition, never before imagined, could actually happen and work together. There was a great deal of unease and nervousness over the inclusion of an Islamist party, because it had never been done before. And that's because Islamic parties have tended to reject, to varying degrees, Zionism and the Jewish nature of the state of Israel, refusing to join any governing coalition. But Yair Lapid and Naftali Bennett and others bet that if they did include the Islamists, that they would moderate their views, and they would come to feel that they had a stake in Israeli public life. And that bet paid off. The leader of the Islamist party, Mansour Abbas, declared a year ago that Israel was born a Jewish state and would remain so. It was an unthinkable statement from an Israeli Arab politician, but there it was. So this, for the last year and a half, this was the triumph of democratic Israel. A view that saw the great liberal values of inclusion and equality and respect for the rule of law and freedom of worship and compromise as as much the essential foundations of the Jewish state as Judaism itself. This is the viewpoint that sees Zionism as completely compatible with democracy. Judaism may be dominant, but it's not supreme. It's how a country like Israel, the Jewish state, fits into Western civilization. Now, this all provoked a backlash that had been building for a long time. Democratic Israel is anathema to Jewish Israel. Now, understand what I'm talking about and not talking about here. I'm not talking about the appearance of Judaism in everyday life in Israel. Stores being closed on Shabbat, or the celebration of the Jewish holidays around the year, or just the fact of culture that comes from living in a majority Jewish society and seeing Jews everywhere engaging in authentic Jewish life, whether they are religious or secular or anywhere in between. No, what I'm talking about is a viewpoint that thinks not that Jews belong in the Jewish state, but that only Jews belong in the Jewish state. If you're not Jewish, you have no business being here. And if for some reason you are here, you should not expect equality, equal rights, or to have any serious stake in society, because you are at heart an interloper. And this is a viewpoint that is associated with the right wing and is increasingly religiously ultra-Orthodox, deeply nationalistic and extremist. Politically, it runs across several different political parties that have slightly different platforms, focuses, and goals. But in general, we're talking about an Israel that is stridently Jewish to the exclusion of others, that seizes all the land of historic Israel for itself, meaning the West Bank from the Palestinians, and in which Israel's public life turns on the proclivities of ultra-Orthodox Judaism, from education to family life to lifestyle and culture. The umbrella term we use most often here is religious Zionism. And this is a particular brand of Zionism on the right that is adopted by religious Jews. Very long history here, but the short version is, you have religious Jews who historically rejected the creation of the state of Israel. Because in their view, such a thing can only come into being by the Messiah, by God's will, not human politics. 
But later on, a small subset, now much larger, said, well, maybe the Messiah isn't here yet, but why can't Zionism be the work of God on behalf of the redemption of the Jewish people? Religious Zionists, then, are Orthodox Jews who are also Israeli nationalists. And in this election a few days ago, the Religious Zionism Party came in third place. And this is the party that includes Ben Gavir's extreme right-wing Otsma Yehudit Party, the Jewish Might Party. In total, the Religious Zionism Party received about 10 to 11% of the vote. Look, this is a very simplistic overview of religious Zionism, so forgive me. Not all Orthodox Jews ascribe to this viewpoint, and you also have people on the right who are secular, not religious, and have no patience for the Orthodoxy. I have friends who subscribe to the broad tenets of religious Zionism, but who completely reject the extremists like Ben Gavir. To parse all this, we need a whole season. But here's my point. The extremist viewpoint is numerically small in Israel. This is religious Zionism's best showing ever, and it's only 10% of the electorate. But in this case, they hold immense political power, because they provided the crucial support that Netanyahu needed to win the election. The left isn't going to vote for him, the center doesn't like him, and even people on his own right wing have abandoned him after all these years. Who he has left is the most right wing, the most religious side of the electorate, and he has just enough of them this time around to secure his victory by a nose. Netanyahu's ticket won by less than 30,000 votes. To get his votes, he has to go to the fringiest of the fringe, and that's how Ben Gavir went from a nobody a few years ago to now a key player in Israeli politics. So if the last year and a half was a triumph for democratic Israel, this election was a triumph for Jewish Israel. So look, Ben Gavir and his sort are, for me, beyond the pale. I cannot imagine a place in Israeli society, or American society, or any society, for the kind of hatred and extremism and violence that Ben Gavir and his fellow travelers want to bring into the mainstream, leveled against other people. Most Israelis, the vast majority, would agree with me, and want nothing to do with Ben Gavir. So, how did so many of them then vote for Netanyahu and the other right-wing parties, knowing that they were also getting Ben Gavir? It's easy to just condemn and dismiss everyone as a racist. But instead, I want to give my most generous reading of all this. Jewish Israel is not getting something from democratic Israel. And that something is not enough Jewish. I think Daniel Gordas had a very good take on this the other day. Daniel Gordas is an American-Israeli rabbi who lives in Israel, and I always find his commentary spot-on and thoughtful, even when I don't agree with him. And his take is this. Democratic Israel, the Israel represented by Yair Lapid's coalition of left and center, right and Arabs, democratic Israel does a very good job talking about these liberal values I'm talking about, the inclusivity and respect for the rule of law that is the hallmark of every other Western democracy. But therein, says Daniel Gordis, lies the problem. Because many Israelis don't want to be just any old Western democracy. They want to be explicitly Jewish. Democratic, yes, but also overtly Jewish in a way that Lapid's coalition isn't talking up enough, and therefore isn't seen to be representing. 
For after all, what is the purpose of Israel if not to be a homeland for the Jews, unapologetically Jewish in character and rigorous in defense of Jewish lives? So you can hate Ben Gavir as the racist he is, and you can feel lukewarm about religious Zionism in general. And maybe you're not even religious yourself. But what you see in the right wing is a movement that is unapologetically for the Jewish people, that is not afraid to stand up to be proudly Jewish, and to aggressively defend the Jewish people. And I'm not just talking about external threats, like Palestinian terrorism or Iran's nuclear weapons program, although there's that stuff too. But I'm also talking about the perceived threats that are coming from within Israel. What am I talking about? In May of 2021, Israeli Arabs rioted in cities around the country. Riots that resulted in a lot of violence, destruction, and anger. They had immediate triggers around current events, but were also the product of deep resentments and frustrations, a failure of inclusion of Israeli Arabs and economic prosperity, tension between Jews and Arabs, and a host of other issues. They left a lot of bad blood still a year and a half later. And what many Jews took away from those riots is the sense that Israeli Arabs don't respect the state, don't want to be a part of Israeli society, and don't want to be neighbors with Jews. I'm not telling you this is correct. I'm just telling you what many people took away from this. And so my most generous read of the response is that it's coming from a place of fear and vulnerability. Add to it frustrations with Palestinian violence, a mistrust of government institutions, and a range of other concerns. And on the surface, it's ridiculous, right? Jews are the power in Israel. They are in the majority. What's there to be afraid of? Religious Zionism, people like Ben Gavir and Netanyahu, it's really adept at playing on people's fears about the strength of the country and the strength of its Jewish character. Netanyahu is not a religious Zionist, but he certainly is aligned with them. A newspaper article from a couple days ago quoted an Israeli Jew who planned to vote for the religious Zionism party because this man said he wanted Israel to emphasize its Jewish identity. It should be clear, he said, that this is a Jewish country. People who are against the state of Israel should not be partners in this coalition, by which he meant the Arab political parties. So this is a whole thread. The sense of Jewish vulnerability in a majority and powerful Jewish state, the decline of the left over the last 20 years, the failures of the state in various ways to rein in extremism. We could spend a lot of time really drilling down into this, but the point is that a lot of Israelis looked at the lofty values of democratic Israel and thought that the one value missing was the Jewish. And that's what they're reacting to. That's what pulled their vote. The question is, where do we go from here? I'm putting out this podcast on Sunday, November 6th. It's going to take at least a couple of weeks for Netanyahu to hammer out his coalition government and for a new Knesset to get up and running. So we can't say with certainty what the government program will be or how much influence the far right will end up having. There are various scenarios in which they might not end up having that much in any case. Already Netanyahu has declared that he won't roll back LGBT rights as the religious elements want. 
This is the first time the majority of the Knesset will be made up of religious parties, so we may see a lot of movement on religion-state issues, but it's hard to say at this point. What we do know is that the far right is pushing an undemocratic agenda that would make life much harder for Israel's minorities, especially Arabs, that would see Israel treat the Palestinians in the occupied territories with much greater aggression, that would reform Israel's judicial system to allow greater political control over the rule of law in favor of the right wing's desired policies, and in particular would shield Benjamin Netanyahu from the threat of conviction in court, stemming from his indictment on charges of fraud and corruption. But beyond these political or policy goals is just a larger trend that we see elsewhere in the world, the rise in influence of extremist viewpoints, illiberal and intolerant, hatred disguised as defense, a warping of values inconsistent with democracy, dignity, and freedom, except for a small group of people who can scream the loudest, cause the most problems, spin the most virulent conspiracy theories. When religious violence is excused or encouraged in the name of preserving Jewish power, it perverts the mainstream tenets of Zionism that hold space for both democracy and Judaism, and that has worked so well in Israel. So what are we to do? The Jewish relationship with Israel does not rest on a single government or the outcome of a single election. It may well be that times ahead are tough and disappointing and heartbreaking for those of us in the liberal corner of Zionism. But we'll still be here, the Jewish people who continue to support those in Israel fighting for the democratic and the Jewish, fighting for a society that will embrace both what is universal about all of our humanity and what is particular to the authentic identity of the Jewish people. We refer again and again to the Talmudic saying, Kol Yisrael Aravim Zeh All Jews are responsible for one another. We don't give up on each other, and we don't give up on the Zionist ideas that empowered us to make our own destinies, to determine our own fate, and to live as free people in a land of our own. So I'm off to Israel, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the temperature and report back, really drill down into a deep dive and synthesize it all together and get back to you. No, sorry, I'm not going to do that. What are you, crazy? I'm going to sit on the beach and eat falafel and look at historical stuff. I'm going to waste a trip to Israel talking about politics? God forbid. But what I will also do is visit the great holy city on Shabbat, and there at Jerusalem's western wall, offer up a prayer that we might all pursue the positive Jewish values of love and compassion and peace and community that we might make for ourselves a society, a state, and a world truly worthy of God's gift of redemption. See you out there. The Heathrow Oats. Talk to you later.